I know that this question has got to be burning through everybody's minds. What in the world could be under the green blanket? Now, two of you have accidentally seen it today, so you can't guess, the two of you who saw it, because you probably know what it is. But I want to give everybody an opportunity to guess what is under the green blanket. If you think you want to take a guess, raise your hand. What you think it is, Betty Grace? What you think's under there? Okay. A light. What we got another guess? Did I see another hand? Isn't the walls of Jericho? The walls of Jericho, it is not, but that's a good guess. That's a good guess. Ark of the Covenant. Ark of the Covenant. We got a winner. And since you're the winner, the prize is you get to preach tonight. So come on up. Alright, so let me uncover this thing as best I can. All right, now I know what you guys are thinking. How in the world did you get your hands on the Ark of the Covenant? This is not the real Ark of the Covenant. This is not the same one that we're going to read about in the Bible, if you could not tell. It was not made of cardboard and paper and poorly drawn uh, magic marker. But we were, go- we're going to talk about the Ark of the Covenant a little bit tonight. We're going to be in Joshua chapter 3. Our series in Joshua is continuing on tonight. Joshua chapter 3. It's been about a month since we were in here because we didn't have any night services last month. We had so much going on. We just took a little summer break. But we are back in it tonight, Joshua chapter 3. Lord willing, we are going to make it through the whole chapter tonight. And as I was reading through uh, this and and was thinking about the Ark of the Covenant, it kind of piqued my interest a little bit. And I said, you know, I'm going to go back and read. If you go back to Exodus chapter 25, you will see the dimensions of the Ark of the Covenant. So these are pretty close dimensions, give or take an inch. It's not perfect by any means. But the original Ark was 45 inches long by uh, 27 inches by 27 inches. And that's what this box that we have here is. And on top of that box would have been two cherubim, which is a a term we see in the Bible. And they were two kind of angelic-like figures with wings. And they adorned the top of the box... Uh, the mercy seat is what that was called, we see in the Bible. And their heads were down as they were kneeled, and their wings were together. And this was what God told the people to build, and they were to put it into the uh, tabernacle, into the Holy of Holies, and it was there where the priest would go once a year, and he would make sacrifice on behalf of the people. And so as the people of Israel uh, traveled around, uh, going to the promised land, they toted this big old Ark of the Covenant. Now, I don't even have a clue how much it weighs. Maybe it says somewhere in the Bible, and I don't know. But I, I'm sure that it weighed a lot. It is a, a large box. It was made of acacia wood, and it was adorned in gold. And the people of Israel, they took this Ark of the Covenant with them everywhere they went as they were getting prepared to go into the promised land. Now, we know we started the book of Joshua since it's been a month. I'll briefly recap. Moses had, 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 was gone. He was out of the picture. He had uh, handed the baton, so to speak, to Joshua. Now, there were some of those who did not believe, and God punched them. They had to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. But a new generation had come. And God was going to send them into the land that he had promised, and he had chosen Joshua to do that. When we first see the book as it starts out, God tells Joshua and the people, look, be strong and courageous. He, he pounds that home. In the first nine verses, we see it three times. And so God is letting the people look. No, look, it's going to be tough, but I'm going to be with you. And we see last week that as they uh, go into uh, Jericho, they see Rahab there. 
And so we saw that take place last or a month ago, whenever we were last there. We saw that Rahab had faith, and we saw uh, that she was saved because of her faith in the God of Israel. And so now we're moving on a little further, and the people of, of uh, Israel are about to go cross the Jordan River. They are about to go in and take the land that God had given to them. So we will pick up and we will read Joshua chapter 3, and then we will dig into the text. Before we, before we dig in, let's pray. God, we just come to you now, and I thank you for your word, and I pray that you would just be with us tonight, that we would get some good from your word, God, that we would learn uh, what your word has to teach us, that we would learn that you are with us through the rivers that we have to cross in our life, dear Lord, that you have not uh, left us to our own doing to try to figure out how to get through things on our own, God, but you uh, have provided a way for us, and you are there for us. And we just thank you for that, and I pray that you'd be with us tonight. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen. Joshua chapter 3, verse 1. Joshua started early the next morning and left the Acacia Grove with all the Israelites. They went as far as the Jordan and stayed there before crossing. After three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, your God, carried by the Levitical priest, you must break camp and follow it. So here we have uh, kind of an introduction a little bit. We have our mention of the ark here in the book of Joshua. And as they get prepared to go, uh, these officers are going through the camp. And when the ark passes by, the people are supposed to follow as it passes by. Now, we have to remember and think about, I want to point out to you how many people we're talking about here. We're probably talking about well over a million people. Now, we get those numbers from looking back at the book of Numbers. If you look at the very beginning of the book of Numbers, you see uh, some counts of how many were in each tribe. And in those counts, you have a little over 600,000, and it says those are just the soldiers. That's not counting anybody else. Those are just soldiers 20 years of age and up. And so if there are 600,000 soldiers, I think it's safe to say we could double that number. And there were probably well over a million people, 1.2 million, maybe even 2 million people by the time you, you account for men who can't fight as soldiers, when you account for children, when you account for women. And so this wasn't a couple thousand people who God was leading into the promised land. This was more than likely a large group of people. To, to give you an idea of how many people that would be, if we double the number, let's say, just to be safe, 1.2 million people, that would be Dallas, Texas. Could you imagine every person in Dallas, Texas being in the wilderness and God saying, all right, all this many people, I'm going to lead you to the promised land. So this was no small feat for the people as God was preparing to lead his people into the land that he had prepared for them, and they were getting ready to make this journey into this promised land. After three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, your God carried by the Levitical priest, you must break camp and follow it, but keep a distance of about 1,000 yards between yourselves and the Ark. So that's a long way. So the Ark of the Lord... This box right here, which would have been carried by the priest, there were these long rods that were also made with gold that were on each side, and they would use these, and they would carry the ark with these things as they went. And the people had to stay a 1,000 yards back from the ark. That's 10 football fields. That's a little over a half of a mile. So there was a, a long distance. It was probably like from here to 
Enterprise Road down there. I don't know if that's a half a mile or not, but probably somewhere in that vicinity is how far back the people had to stay from the ark. Let's read a little further. Don't go near it so that you can see the way to go, for you haven't traveled this way before. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves because the Lord will do wonders among you today. That is, commit yourself to the Lord. Make yourself holy before the Lord and be ready for the Lord to use you because God is about to do a wonderful thing for the people of Israel, through the people of Israel, if they will be obedient to Him. Now, we see that many times in Scripture, that there's that if there. God says, look, just follow my commands. Be obedient to what I tell you to do. I've got your best interest in mind. Just follow my commandments. Be obedient, and I'm going to keep you safe. But time after time, we see that with the people of Israel, that they don't do that. Now, we can relate to that because we're the same way, right? Because sometimes we know what God desires for us to do. We know what God's Word says. We know what we're supposed to do and not supposed to do. And even still, sometimes, we are as guilty as the Israelites. Because we know that God desires for our best interest, but sometimes we, we think our way is better than God's way, and we're going to do things the way I want to do it. And when we do that, you may have experienced this in your life, we end up getting in a mess a lot of the time. And in the process, we end up missing a lot of blessings that I believe God would pour out onto us because we're living according to us instead of according to God. And so God is telling the people, look, be ready. Be ready to do what I call you to do. Be fully committed to me, and I'm going to do an amazing work through you. Consecrate yourself before the Lord because the Lord, excuse me, consecrate yourself because the Lord will do wonders among you tomorrow. Then he said to the priest, Take the Ark of the Covenant and go ahead of the people. So they carried the Ark of the Covenant and went ahead of them. The Lord spoke to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of Israel, so they will know that I will be with you just as I was with Moses. So there is this changing of the guard that is taking place. The people had, had uh, trusted uh, Moses. They had knew who Moses was. They knew that Moses was there to lead them and take care of them. And God is wanting to make sure that they realize, look, God is still with us. Even though Moses isn't with us any longer, God has put Joshua into this place to be the leader for us. And God is going to make sure that the people realize that he is still with them, that he has not abandoned them, that he is still going to be true to his promise that he said to give them this promised land. Command the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the water, stand in the Jordan. Then Joshua told the Israelites, come closer and listen to the words of the Lord your God. He said, you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly dispossess before you the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, and Jebusites, when the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth goes ahead of you into the Jordan. So God's calling out all these people. This is a long list of different peoples that are inhabiting this land, and no doubt this would be a scary thing. Can you imagine Israel? We're not talking about a big superpower. We're talking Israel. We're talking a rinky-dink little nation that had come out of hundreds of years of slavery under the Egyptians, had been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, and now God's saying, I'm going to take you in here and you're going to beat all these different people up. 
So you can imagine how there could have been some reservations there, how there could have been a little fear, a little doubt. But I would say that this group had probably learned from the last group who had doubted the Lord, and they were ready to go in and take the land that God was giving to them. Now choose twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one man for each tribe. When the feet of the priest who carry the ark of the Lord... The Lord of all the earth come to rest in the Jordan's waters. Its waters will be cut off. The water flowing downstream will stand up in a mass. When the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carried the Ark of the Covenant ahead of the people. Now the Jordan overflows its banks throughout the harvest season. But as soon as the priests carrying the Ark reached the Jordan, their feet touched the water at its edge. And the water flowing downstream stood still, rising up in a mass that extended as far as Adam, a city next to Zerathon. The water flowing downstream into the city, excuse me, into the sea of Ariba, the Dead Sea, was completely cut off, and the people crossed opposite Jericho. The priests carrying the ark of the Lord's covenant stood firmly on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan while all Israel crossed on dry ground until the entire nation had finished crossing the Jordan. Could you imagine what a miraculous sight that this would be? Now, if you go back and you read in Exodus, you see a similar story, and that is when Moses parted the Red Sea. Could you imagine uh, being part of that group? And now we have another group of Israelites who are seeing a very similar thing. Very similar thing, except in the first instance, Moses parted the Red Sea, but in this instance, it says that the water <clears throat> stops flowing, that the water begins to back up. And we're not talking about a little creek. We're not talking about like Brushy Creek or just some little rinky-dink creek. That's the Jordan River. And not only was the Jordan River a fairly good-sized river on its own, but we see from the text that it said that it was overflowing during this season. And so the author here makes sure to point out that this was not just some small river, it was a large river, and on top of that, it was overflowing the banks. And that shows you the power of the Lord. And so here these priests are, and they're carrying this Ark of the Covenant, and they go and they stand in the edge of the river, and when they do, the water just stops and begins to back up. And it says that the priests are standing firmly on dry ground. They're not standing in mud, sinking sand. Y'all hurry up, this thing is heavy, we're sinking. Hurry up, the water's coming. There doesn't appear to be any panic. Why? Because God has got the situation completely under control. And they are standing there firmly on dry ground, and the rest of the Israelites cross on dry ground. Now, I think there are several things that we can uh, get from this story. I think there are several things that we can take from this story, that we can take from the Ark of the Covenant that we see in the Old Testament. God wanted them to build the Ark of the Covenant, as we see in Exodus 25, because He desired to dwell with His people. Now, why God chose a box that was this shape with cherubim and gold is beyond me. God is God. He, is, he chose that for a reason because He is perfect. But that was God's way and God's choosing to say, this is how I'm going to dwell among the people. It's through the Ark of the Covenant being in the tabernacle being in the Holy of Holies. <clears throat> and with the ark being with the people, it was symbolic that God was forever with the people. 
as the ark was a thousand yards in front of the people, it should remind us, just like it should have reminded the people then, that God was both before us and with us. And that's how it is for us today. When we go into situations, we need to pray that, look, God has made that path the way that He wants it to be and that we know that He is there, that He has provided that path, prepared that path before us, and that we are not going it alone, that God is going with us. But in this instance, the people couldn't get close to the ark. They had to stay a long way from the ark. And that also is kind of representative to what the problem was with the first covenant that we saw in the Old Testament. There was still a, a gap between the Israelites and the Lord. There was still a long distance there. While God was with them and God was taking care of them, there was still a distance, there was still a gap there that kept them from having that relationship that God wanted them to have together. That kept them from being able to dwell with the Lord the way the Lord desired. And in comes Jesus Christ. Because while this was the old way that the people would go and have a relationship with the Lord and have a, uh, was able to dwell among the Lord, Jesus Christ came in the new covenant and He bridged that gap. We don't have to keep our distance because through Jesus Christ it brings us right to the Lord. It bridges that gap and we can be reminded that even though we don't have to tote around a heavy ark, praise the Lord, could you imagine if every time us as a church we like wanted to go to like a picnic or wanted to go to like a camp or something, we're having to tote this big old ark around and build a tabernacle around it so that we could praise? I mean, that would be pretty insane. So praise the Lord that Jesus Christ came and did away with that. So that's one thing that we can take away from this story and the Ark of the Covenant. The next thing that we can look at in this story is that when God does something, He does it right. When God prepares a way for you, when God takes care of you, when God is in control of everything that's taken place, God does it right. God doesn't have to do it. God doesn't say, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do part of the way and I'm going to let you finish out the rest. No. God didn't put any burden on the people of Israel here. God completely dried up the sea so that they could go in there and they could take the land that God had prepared for them. But it required a lot, of, a lot of trust. It required that the people of Israel had to be strong and courageous. And so it is for us because as we go through life, we are constantly coming to rivers in our life. Maybe not a physical river like the River Jordan, but we come to those rivers of life. You know what I'm talking about when you get sick, when you get fired from your job, when things aren't going well, when somebody pulls out in front of you, when you go to Burger King and they put the wrong thing on your burger, and all these, these rivers of life that just get you all out of whack, and you just, you just want to, like yesterday, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to confess some sand to you guys. We went to, we went to Zachary, and we was coming back to Clinton, and I stopped in the gas station, well, the attendant in there was rude. He was not very nice. And I go out to get gas, and I, I, I start pumping the gas, and I pump gas for, I don't know, 20 seconds, 30 seconds maybe, and I have like 10 cents worth of gas. And I said, are you kidding me? So I close the thing, and I go to the next one, and I start pumping the same thing. I get up to 8 cents of gas in about a minute. And boy, I close that thing, I twist that lid, and I don't have a bad attitude. You know, and the devil can use little stuff like that. He can use little stuff like the gas pump not working to get us having a bad attitude and to be angry. He can use something as, as, as big as cancer or sickness or illness or loss of a job or whatever it may be. And God 
uses these things to make us stronger if we trust in him. The devil tries to use these things to break us down. And there are all these rivers of life, these rivers of stress and trouble and turmoil that we face in our life. But what we cannot forget is that the God who was with Israel, the God who has prepared a way before them, the God who was going with them, the God who was going to defeat all their enemies, is the same God that you and I serve today. And we don't have to jump through a bunch of hoops. We don't have to carry an ark. We don't have to keep our distance. We have an open line that we can communicate before the Lord because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. And that's a pretty awesome thing, and we don't want to take that for granted. We don't want to take for granted that we can go before the Lord at any time and praise Him and pray to Him and ask Him for strength and ask Him for guidance and ask Him for help. And if we are obedient to God, we see time and time again where God takes care of His people. But when we are disobedient to God, we find ourselves in trouble. God desires to keep you out of trouble, but you have to desire to follow Him and trust Him. And when you do that, He'll take care of you. Let's pray. God, I come to you tonight and I thank you for your good word. I thank you for so many things that we can learn from this story. Dear Lord, that you took care of your people. God, that we saw a great faith from these people of, of Israel here. That they trusted in you. That they crossed over a, a raging river, dear Lord, on dry ground. And only you have the power to do that, dear Lord. Only you are capable of doing those things. And so we praise you, God, for, for being a good God, for being a God that looks out for our best interests and tries to guide us on the path of righteousness so that we can uh, stay out of trouble, dear Lord. And God, we thank you for uh, your word that we can read in the Old Testament and we can uh, see how Jesus is alluded to so many times, God, that everything in your word points to Jesus who is coming. And God, we thank you that that, that that gap, that that distance that the Israelites had to stay behind the ark, dear Lord, that we don't have to have those hoops to jump through, God, that we don't have to have a distance between uh, us and you, dear Lord, but that through Jesus Christ you close the gap to give us a way to communicate, God. And we thank you for the opportunity just to come and worship you tonight. And I pray that you would help anyone in here that may have a, a, a river, dear Lord, of life, of stress, of worries of the world that is raging through their, their life right now, God, that you would just calm that river, that you would part it, dear Lord, that you would help them to walk across on dry land, that you would heal them spiritually, that you would restore their soul, that you would give them strength to make it through whatever it is that they may be going through. And I pray that everybody would have a safe day tomorrow as they celebrate the 4th of July. I pray that you get everyone home safe, help everybody to have a good time. And we just thank you for the freedom that we have in this country. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen.